Welcome to Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast, where we seek to provide you the tools to preserve and promote college radio. I'm Shane Garcia, and as always, I am here with the man, the myth, the legend himself, retired station advisor for 91.7 WIXQ, Dr. Ralph Doc Rock Antonin. Doc, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I just came back from Ruby Tuesdays, uh, eating all the salad I could put on five plates. And I had a wonderful time eating that salad. And uh, it's the only place you can go and get dessert, too. I had my grapes and I had my peaches. And uh, so I'm, I'm in a good mood. I'm all full of food, Shane. Were the grapes and peaches your dessert tonight, Doc? They were. I passed up on Mama had cake and ice cream and I passed up because the pounds have got to come off. The pounds have got to come off. I am proud of you for sticking to your guns and not getting into that temptation of yours. Yes, I am a man of uh, of uh, tolerance. If you ask Mama, she will tell you I am capable of losing weight. I am capable. And right now I'm in weight loss. She just said it after five years, I'll say. But I'm doing it, Mama. Do we have to bring back WIXQ Fat Camp? I would like Fat Camp to come back because it did help me. But nobody else wants to do it, so I won't do it anymore. Well, maybe maybe we can start this, Doc. You and I and maybe anybody who listens to the podcast or anybody who's a supporter of WIXQ. Maybe maybe we can do that. Yeah, we could. But we really, I'm, I'm past that stage. I want to hear, you got two very special guests today, Shane Garcia. That is correct, Doc Rock. That is absolutely correct because we are continuing our College Radio Love Story series with two of the most impactful station members of our home college radio station, WIXQ, in, in recent years. And, of course, I'm talking about Chris Beavins and Priscilla Mulrudy Beavins. Priscilla is a former WIXQ station manager and WIXQ operations manager. And her husband, Chris, is a former college radio business manager. And, of course, the college radio station brought them together. They have a little one of their own today, and it's all thanks to the college radio station. But without further ado, I think it's time, Doc. We, we shouldn't waste any time here. Let's bring them on in. Let's bring Chris and Priscilla to Scholastic Transmission. How are you two doing today? Great. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> yeah, I have to be honest. I don't know if I'm going to live up to the, uh, the sterling introduction you just provided. I'm going to do my best. Impactful. I'm not so sure I'm qualified for the term. I'll do my best to, to present the listeners with what they want to hear. Well, I do have to say, you know, to, to kind of not not put it on, but to follow through with, with my reasonings for calling you two one of the most impactful duos in recent years, it's because I remember when I was still at the station, I was talking to my one former production assistant when I was chief announcer, and she said, you know, we need to get back to the glory days of Chris and Priscilla. We need to get more involved, and we need to have some fun here at the station. Because there there wasn't, I don't want to say that there wasn't anything going on at the time, but the station was very, very active, both on campus and in the community when you both were there. So and that and I when I came into the station, you two were at the helm, of course, and I experienced it right away and I was blown away with how active the station was. And it's something that I wish would have been able to keep up in recent years. But again, that's just the nature of college radio. You're going to have good years. You're going to have some not so good years because it all depends on who's leading the station. But you two, you two took the cake for sure. Well, thank you. We were really lucky to have an awesome council um, the year that I was station manager, I was operations manager during a time where everything was turning around as well. So as much as it's it's nice to hear that we were there 
during that important part, um, we had a lot, a lot, a lot of help, a lot of guidance. It certainly was not just us. <laughs> no, and the other thing that you said in there, Shane, that that was key to our tenure there was was two aspects. It's It's the fun and the commitment. And I think that we had a group of people around us who really lent, uh, lent and, and looked to each other for ways to keep the station interesting and upbeat and fun, but also recognized the virtue of the radio station itself and, and, and understood what it meant to all of us. So, so we did it for the organization, we did it for the campus, but we also did it equally as much for ourselves. And, and what, what that little corner of our, of our campus life meant to each of us personally and collectively. And I look back at periods of time within the station's history where there are many dedicated members to the station. And the first decade for me that comes to mind is like the early to mid-1990s when you have people who we've interviewed like Steve Eupnis, Michelle Cruz, Ronnie Ramon and Nipsey, who are all very dedicated to the station. And by the way, we have somebody else from that period of time that we'll be interviewing here very, very soon on the podcast. But then, of course kind of falls off a little bit, but then somewhere, somehow, some way, some people get back into the swing of things and they really get dedicated and other people take notice of that dedication. They want to be dedicated themselves. And I think in recent years, you two are really leading the charge in terms of that dedication, trying to make the station grow, not only on campus, but within the community. And there's a reason why WIXQ was named the most successful organization on Millersville's campus in 2016. It's because of people like you two. Well, we were also in 2016. Um, I believe we had had, and Doc can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I, I think that we had had the largest number of DJs at that point. Um, the grid was completely full. We had ni 90 some DJs, I, I think. I think it was 93. That's some, the number that's sticking out my head. Something crazy yeah, like it that. Was, it was very high. So... Again, like, I think it was just having so many people engaged to make it so recognizable. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think like any good thing, there's peaks and valleys, but we, we had a blast and we're super happy to be there. So before we get too into it about your college radio days, I have to ask you about your beginnings growing up. And if you think about the college radio station, there really wouldn't be a college radio station today without the music. And of course, the music isn't the only thing, but music is the prime dominator in terms of college radio programming these days. So what kind of musical influences did you both have growing up and how did that affect you then going into the college radio station? Well, I'm going to have a much less intelligent and for lack of a better term, worse answer than my my lovely wife here. You know, the first two artists that I think I chose for myself or groups for myself, which is both dating me and will seem incredibly lame to half of the people that might listen to it. Uh, I think the first two that I chose for myself were, were Green Day. I was in late elementary school when the American Idiot L album came out. That was the first music that I sort of chose for myself and my parents hated it and I wasn't supposed to listen to it. And eventually I annoyed them enough that they let me listen to it. And then I sort of branched out and I found the Rolling Stones and those two were, were the first two that I chose for myself. And then I kind of filled in the cracks with a lot of my mother's music interests because she was always the one that was playing the music in the house, which was a lot of 80s hair metal and, and 70s rock. And she's, she's really into Southern rock too, which is never something I understood. 
And it took till I got to college radio to sort of branch out a little bit out of what Priscilla once deemed dad rock. And that's a term that I've used and, and completely appropriated ever since because it absolutely was my music interest. When you think of a dad sipping a beer and listening to whatever they're listening to while they're working in their car, that's what I was into before I found my way to the radio station. And it's a very apt term. I never thought I'd marry someone that I had such different music opinions as. Um, but here we are. Um, I guess my beginnings with music, my parents wanted me to listen to diverse music from the start. Like they had headphones on my mom's belly when she was pregnant with me, um, trying to expose me to a variety of music. You know, we didn't really do the whole Spice Girls, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys thing because they didn't want me to be a little sheep. So I was listening mostly to their music and their parents' music. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. So I have love for the oldies, um, starting with the 50s. <laughs> As we see Doc just taken aback there. Well, Doc, you knew this about me. Yes, <laughs> um, I, I did. <laughs> So then as I got older, I started to play a few instruments and um, one of them being the violin. So I got really into orchestral music and then I was doing choir. So I got really into that kind of stuff. My dad kind of school of rocked me through elementary school, got me a guitar when I was five and we did the, the classic rock thing pretty hard. But overall, I think one of my biggest influences my whole life is a radio station called XPN. They're out of Philly. That was that was my jam. Had my old little boombox with the antenna out, listening to XPN for a lot of my childhood, and actually still into my adult adulthood. <laughs> no antenna now, though. Just um, the Amazon device. <laughs> for those who don't know, WXPN is a very diverse radio station. You can hear just about anything on that. So that makes me want to ask you, Priscilla. How much did XPN influence you in terms of what you wanted to do at the college radio station? When I started, I was actually a music education major, and I really wanted to join WIXQ, but um, I had to work on Sunday nights, and that was when the new DJ orientation was, and I had a friend get me the information, um, but then life as a music major picked up really hard and really fast, and I just didn't feel like I could commit to it at first, but I wanted to do it so bad. You know, I wanted to be like the lady Kathy who does Kids Corner. <laughs> um on xpn or um like kristen curtis in the morning i you know i wanted to to be a an xpn girl <laughs> at my college um and i remember going to a freshman orientation event when i was still a senior in high school and you you know you go around to the clubs and the organizations and you sign up for things and that was the first thing that i signed up for so it bothered me that it took me a little bit to actually get my foot in the door but yeah um it, I would say that it definitely influenced me. Freeform radio is something that I find very interesting and, um, you know, public radio as well. I do want to ask you both, why did you choose Millersville University? I know for you, Priscilla, you were only a couple minutes down the road, but Chris, you were much further away than Priscilla was. So why did you choose Millersville and what were your focus of studies going into your freshman year? Well, I, I wanted to get out of my parents' house, frankly. And that's as much needs being said there. And, you know, Albright College up in Reading, because that's where I'm from, threw a ton of scholarship money at me, but I would have had to have commuted. And I didn't, I wanted to get out of the house and I wanted to experience life as what I thought was an adult as an 18 year old, which is uh, just a, a criminal joke. 
to think an 18 year old was an adult, but you know, I was, I, my focus was to do teaching and I was between English and social studies. And to be honest with you, I can't even tell you what it was at this point that made me think that I was going to have an easier time finding a job as a social studies teacher than an English teacher. But that's what I told myself. They were the subjects in school that I liked. And I thought that the teachers that were in my life had a profound impact on, on who I was as a person. And, and I liked the way that I felt like they were doing a good service to the society they lived in. And I was, and I gravitated towards that, which is why I wanted to be a teacher. And, you know, in the Southeast region, it's either Kutztown, Albright or Millersville, basically, if you want to go to a good teaching school and Kutztown and Albright, I would have been, uh, would have been commuting. So I like to say that I loved the campus or, or I, I just, uh, Millersville really spoke to me. And to some degree it did like Millersville has a nicer campus by far than the other two do. But at the end of the day, Millersville was an hour and 15 minutes down to 22, whereas Kutztown was 20 and Albright was 15. So I made a spatial decision, basically. For me, I knew I wanted to do music ed, or so I thought. I'm a financial oriented person, let's call it that. Um, I'm thrifty. I'm all about what I'm spending. I wanted to commute. I didn't want to have to do the dorm cost. So came down to commuting and then also it came down to scholarships. Uh, Millersville gave me a good bit for the music ed program and it kind of just came down to that. I didn't want to be strapped down by debt later in life. Um, The other thing that I'll say is when I was a senior in high school, the Millersville music department had just bought what used to be the Academy of Music in Lancaster. It's now the Ware Center. And they were in the process of building the Winter Center. So those were really attractive features. They also have two professors that have written the music theory book that any school that's worth its salt would be using. So would I rather sit in class with them? Or would I rather go and be 40 minutes away, not using their book, but not being there with them? And then... At the end of the day, I think the music department was a little bit warmer at first than the school, the other school that I was looking at. So, but ultimately a financial decision. I don't blame you one bit with that one, especially with the way the world works these past couple of years. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, I'd like to put the focus solely on you for a little bit here, Priscilla, uh, as we get into your days in college radio, and then I'll bring it back into Chris then. You talked a little bit about how you got involved with the college radio station, Once you were involved, what was your training like and what were your first impressions of the college radio station? So one of my best friends at the time was the operations manager. Uh, Marie Lionel was the the operations manager. And um, she had kind of made me feel like this is going to be the time to do it. She would kind of help accommodate me if my schedule wasn't like working she's like come on like you got to do it and i'd made several friends that were a part of the radio station through her and it was just something i really wanted to do she made me feel comfortable doing it at that point it was the first time you would come on their show you were just you were just observing the second time you would do something like 15 minutes the third time a little bit more eventually on your last week of training you do the whole show and then you had a little on-air test in the production studio, which was confusing because the production studio is laid out completely different than the on-air studio. When I went in um, to do my test, half of the production studio wasn't working that day. 
So I was like, uh, I don't really know if I can show you that I can do this, but hopefully you trust me. And that was, that was where we were, we're at at that point. And to this, this might sort of bleed over into another question that you might have. When I was operations manager, I saw a lot of things that could sort of change. And I took some of Marie's feedback um, from things that worked well for her and didn't to try and reform that. Um, I really took a lot of her ideas. Um, some of the current station manager when I was operations manager, Curtis Silverweb. Um, and then I just tried to listen to the people around me. Like what, what can we do better? How would you feel um, more comfortable going on for your very first solo show? So I just wanted to reform it from what everyone else was telling me. I, you best believe I'm going to be asking you about your days as operations manager. But before I do that, let's talk about your college radio show, your show itself. What was your show called? What music did you play? And how did it evolve over the years then? So I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was just having fun. Um, I would bring in a few of my records and then I would have a playlist on my iPod Classic queued up and that sort of you know, iPod classics were well on their way out at this point. Um, Spotify was definitely the more popular option, but I was still still holding on to that with everything I had because, you know, 160 gigs last you a lifetime or so you thought. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to do a variety of new and old things. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, sometimes I would have a little bit of a theme, but it would be like something strange that I wouldn't even announce on air. It was just me in in expressing myself to no one because it was a, a very early morning show my first slot at least so I didn't even know what I wanted to call my show and um I was pretty sure that my dad was the only person that was listening later I found out that we also have listener Mike who's listening all the time and then eventually I found out that my friends listened because they caught me doing this silly thing that I would do where I'd occasionally pop in in the middle of a song or something on the mic and just say, hi, dad, which he got a kick out of. He thought that was hilarious. He also did college radio. So he enjoyed hearing me be awkward on air. <laughs> that makes me want to ask you, did your dad have any influence on what you did in college radio? Like, how did his experiences affect you? So, um, my dad is one of my best friends. I don't want to call it like a daddy's girl situation or anything weird like that, but he is truly one of my best friends in the world. Um, he has influenced, I, I, it would be unfair to say any less than all of my music. I mean, even if I'm listening to something that he hates, I'm going to hear about it, but he was always the one you got to check out this band. Like here's your homework for the week. Here's this CD. You got, tell me what you think about this here's this instrument we bought you. Here's the sheet music that I printed out at work for you. Here's all this, everything that you need musically ever came from him. I always had that. But in terms of him doing college radio, his very first song ever, and this does not date him at all. He's, he was an eighties kid. So um, this doesn't really make any sense, but the song Spill the Wine was his first song that he ever played. And he told me that when I told him I'm signing up. So the very first song that I ever played on air then was Spill the Wine. And I was I was a trainee under a metal show. Um, one of my friends had a all metal all the time show. So when the little little trainee comes in and plays Spill the Wine, people started complaining in the comments like, 
what is this? Please play something better than Spill the Line. It's like, I don't like this song. I'm just doing it because it's funny. So yeah, he was, he was definitely a big influence. I mentioned when I was at that freshman event or an incoming freshman orientation sort of thing where you're signing up for the different organizations and getting on their email list. My dad was like, here's the radio station. Get over there. Sign up. Give them your email address. I'm like, calm down, dad. But yeah, he was he was pushing me to do it every year until I finally did. And he was so happy when I did. Where did your dad do college radio, may I ask? He spent a little bit of time at Widener University. Um, So that's where he did his college radio um, thing. And he went on to pursue a different career and different things. But it's very on brand for him. (laughs) So what made you then, after you did your show for a little bit then, Priscilla, what made you want to take that next step and get further involved at WIXQ? That's a tricky question. At the time, I was... I really wanted to change my major. Wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I had a lot going on personally, and I just felt like I needed something. Um, I'd held leadership positions when um, I was a music major. I'd held them in high school. So I don't really consider myself, well, I mean, I, I've done enough leading to say that I, I, I guess I'm a leader, but I don't, that's not one of the top things that I would use to describe myself, but I have done it and it does feel very natural. So I just wanted to get involved in something new, be a part of something new. I kind of have a habit of when I start something, I go all in. So that's just a a part of my personality, I think. But um, I'd met Doc through Marie and I'd seen the hard work and the love that Marie had put in to her position. And I saw that a lot of people were about to graduate and leave. So I saw a door open. I thought, you know, maybe this could be my new thing. Maybe I can make some new friends and find out who I'm actually trying to be a little bit more in this role. So with that said, with that operations manager role in mind, what techniques did you have going into that? How did you want to grow the station and bring in new people to WIXQ? Well, I wanted the station to feel diverse. I heard some people that were in the station when I first started going on about all these communications majors are using this as educational experience. And they're coming over here and they're playing dad rock and they're not keeping it weird. And this needs to be like a quirky place. And I see both sides to that. I think it's a great place for professional development. And that doesn't have to be just for broadcasting majors. But it should stay a little weird. You know, we need, I think the diverse group of people is what keeps it weird. I wanted to reach out to other audiences, bigger groups on campus, make sure we were seen, make sure that we were known. Because when I first started the radio station, I'd heard some people didn't even know that it existed. So I wanted to make sure that with recruiting new DJs, we were also advertising just saying, hey, we exist. We're over here. If you're not going to sign up at Org Outbreak to come join us, you should listen to us. But we we did all of your typical sort of Org Outbreak. We really, really started using social media heavily when I was involved. It wasn't, it shifted from look at all the fun things we're doing to here we are, check us out. Um, so social media was a big one. 
we started doing the stereotypical thing with the chalk. We um, had flyers everywhere. We also, um, every Friday for most of the spring semester when I was ops, just had someone DJing in a public area. You know, it wasn't what was on air. Somebody was just playing their music like when you DJ an event, just with the banner that says WIXQ. You know, it catches people's attention. They come up and they ask. They ask about what we're doing. That year, we had some really great events. Our station manager that year, Curtis Silver, went through some awesome events that got a lot of publicity around campus. Um, so I think I think the biggest key there was having us be seen. That should be the college radio station's number one goal. And I firmly believe this. And I know and I'm sure many others across the college radio spectrum believe the presence is key. The only way that you're going to grow, especially today, when streaming is dominating the earbuds or the speakers of the college radio students, the only way that you're going to get your college radio station seen around campus is by being seen, by making yourself present all over campus and in the community. And I am so proud of the efforts that WIXQ had taken to get there in 2015, 2016, and even going into 2017 then. And I encourage any college radio station, any college radio staffer, advisor, or even potential member to just think of ideas on how you can be unique, on how you can be seen, whether or not it's your show or your station as a whole. Now, Priscilla, I do have to ask you, knowing the operations manager position and knowing how hands-on you are in training and making sure these new DJs are getting trained and properly trained, how rewarding was it for you to see them kind of rise up in the ranks, to go through their training process, get their own show, and become the future leaders of the radio station? Um, it was so rewarding. They became important to me. It felt like they were my baby ducks almost. E even, even people that I didn't have any connection with. I, I truly made friends with a lot of them, a lot of my new DJs, even people that I didn't have a connection with though. You want you want to see them do well and feel comfortable and grow into themselves. Uh, I think something that's really cool about college radio is it's an excellent venue to find who you're trying to be. I think I sort of mentioned that a little bit earlier, but it's, it's not just can they press the buttons on the board, it's do they have a sense of purpose do they feel like they're doing something are they having fun like of all the crappy things that can happen during a week in college if if you have your show every week and you know that that's going to be happening and that's the highlight of your week that means something that's really important for a lot of people myself and so many of the people that come in so just seeing people have that um was really awesome Speaking of somebody who came into the station around that time, there's somebody sitting right next to you right now that I'd like to bring back into the conversation. So, Chris, <laughs> how did you find out about the college radio station and why did you join? The, the course of, of radio joining ship never did run smooth, and that's a very uh, bastardized Shakespeare quote that I just did. But no, uh, I, I had a very circuitous destination when it came to the radio station because when I was a freshman, I think Aaron Rodden was the station manager and he had, he had a table set up outside of the George street entrance to the, the university store. It was like September of my very first semester. And I grabbed like a pin, a sticker. I signed the email list. I was ready to join the station, like right there. 
but I also uh, was just a supremely insecure and second guessing kind of person at that point in my life. And I, for lack of a better term, just sort of chickened out and didn't do it. Um, I have no good reason for it. And a couple of years went by and I didn't do it. And I always regretted it. And it's something that I've regretted ever since for things, for reasons we're going to talk about, I'm sure, as you ask me some of these questions. But, you know, my relationship as a as an active student with WIXQ was barely two calendar years. And, and that's a that's a huge regret of mine that it could have been longer. But the following year, a good friend of mine named Steve Steinbach had declared himself a comm major. And he said it was it was a very innocuous conversation. He and I were just together at the Northside Bistro, may she rest in peace, discussing just the events of the day. And he was saying that he picked up some information to join the radio station on campus um, and he was thinking about doing it. But I knew that Steve was a very I shouldn't say he was a timid person, but he had a uh, he had a timid side to him. And there were times where he could sort of lean towards doing exactly what I did, which was to think about it and then not do it. So I thought I sort of saw it as an opportunity to push both him and myself to jump into this thing that I thought would be a lot of fun. And I said, well, hey, man, you know, the next semester is coming up when the fall rolls around. Why don't we do a show together? You're going to be moving in with me to an apartment and I think it'll be a good time. And and that was the plan. And, you know, I don't again, I don't know why I did this, but the day of the DJ meeting came around and I emailed her and made up some BS excuse as to why I couldn't come because I was just deciding I didn't want to do it. And to this day, I don't know why I was deciding I didn't want to do it. In the moment, I thought I, I just I don't even know what I thought. I just was going to back out. And then I had second thoughts about backing out and emailed her and said, hey, when's the time that we can meet to get me back into this thing? And that was the first time she and I met. And uh, suffice it to say, I don't regret sending that email. For a whole host of reasons. Can I can I add one little thing about Steve? Sure. So Steve came up to me at the new DJ meeting and he's like, my friend wants to join. He couldn't be here. He said he's going to email you. Like, I we want to co-host. We want to do our show. Like, he really wants to do it. He really wants to do it. And I'm like, okay, dude. Like, what's his name? I'll look out for the email. Um, no problem. So Steve was really, really frantic about it. And um, I just become a broadcasting major because I didn't know what else to do. Um, so Steve was in a few of my classes actually. And Chris was kind of taking a little while to send that email and respond to the email. Days for what it's worth. You make it sound like it was weeks at a time, but I think it was only a few days. Agreed to disagree. Okay. But Steve kept asking me in class, like, did Chris email you yet? And I'm like, no. And at this point, I'm just kind of like, this guy doesn't want to do it. Like this, this guy, Chris is just being a jerk. He's wasting my time. <laughs> I've heard both of those things before. <laughs> yeah. And so eventually I had to have him have his own little meeting with me and we got him, we got him set up and he was very charming from that very first meeting. <laughs> and the rest was history from there for the most part. <laughs> So I, I, before we get into your relationship, I have to ask you about your days in college radio, Chris. What was your training like once you got there? Once you finally got the nerve to get involved, what was your training like? And then what was your show then? And how did that evolve over the years? Sure, Shane. So one thing I will say, and it's not a disclaimer, but it's almost kind of hard to speak about our relationship 
when the radio station was occurring and my experience with radio is distinctly separate things because so much of my experience with WLXQ involves her, if not directly, certainly indirectly. You know, the radio station, without putting too fine a point on it, but putting an exactly fine point on it, gave me the life that I have in many ways. It, it defined the friendships I have to this day. It, it, it gave me a marriage. It gave me a, a, a kid, a career, um, for a lot of reasons that I can go into. But, you know, I think that the training process was pretty similar to what Priscilla described for herself. I met with a, a, a DJ, his name was Mary Neugebauer. I think I'm pronouncing her last name right. It was just an, just an aggressively German last name. And she was super chill and, and uh, you know, approached it from a very, what are you guys comfortable with sort of attitude. Uh, let us watch the first show with her. The, the on-air studio had the lights down because yes, according to that Twitter poll, and the Instagram poll, the only correct way to be in the station is with the lights off. Thank you very much. Or at very least dimmed, not on for you crazy people that, that play music with the radio on air on the radio on air with the <laughs> lights on when the radio is on air, because yikes, that makes my brain hurt. But anyway, you know, it was it was pretty standard. Steve and I had like a 20 minute segment and then like a 45 minute segment during Mary's show. Um, and then we tested separately and and that was uh what it was uh we got a pretty good slot for um first semester djs i think it was a four to seven on a thursday four to seven p.m not four to seven a.m uh which was super lucky and we we met listener mike on our first show and i remember feeling so special which is just silly because how you know obviously active he is with all of the djs um, but I remember he and I had a conversation about Fleetwood Mac on the phone and uh, Steve and I would sort of flip back and forth between running the board every week. And our sort of loose plan was to share our pretty similar taste in music and, and discuss some music news and, and try to give Steve a little bit of an opportunity to come out of his shell and figure out what his uh, communications voice was going to be. And I was just doing it for recreational purposes. And then um, eventually over time, I sort of wanted to do one thing with a show and Steve kind of wanted to do another. And, and, and in no way was it um, a divorce or, or an ugly breakup of any kind. We just sort of mutually agreed that we would do our own separate shows. So what, what became metal socks with Chris and Steve or Steve and Chris became Steve's metal socks. And then I went off and I had my seven to 10 AM uh, show that I called the brew and you can use the the coffee or the alcohol version of the brew, whichever you'd like. And that was part of my promo, which was great because I was underage, I think, at that point. On my, on my own show, I would uh, try to throw in some trivia factoids and I would play. I really tried to focus when I had my own show on playing music that was new to me, because I think one of the things that the radio station really did was it broadened my horizons to a lot of music tastes that I didn't realize I had. And, and I think, again, that, that's a pathway that my music tastes have never stopped on is, is building on a lot of the building blocks of, of trying to expand my, my musical horizons based on the things that I interacted with at the radio station. And then I think, I think I had one more semester where I had my own show and then you and I were co-hosts after that. I think if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, we just got really busy. Chris was student teaching and I was the station manager. 
finishing up my degree and it was kind of like, you know, we still want to do this. This is so important to us. Let's do it together. Um, we'll also be saving up a grid, a, a block on the grid for, for somebody else. We would always sit in the station for each other's individual shows too. So it was kind of like, you know, let's, let's make things easier on us. Let's maybe not do the work for a full three hour show. We'll, we'll split it. Right. And I think, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to join, uh, it was more so a matter of me joining your show because at first we had separate slots. That's first semester we did it, but that was during the window when we had so many freaking DJs and we were splitting shows. Like there were some shows where people were only having 90 minute blocks as opposed to three hour blocks or two hour blocks. So I said, well, look, you know, you and I are always together here anyway. Why don't we'll just combine and it'll save somebody a slot to give us some more room on the, on the grid. And that's sort of the genesis of, of, of that decision. Yeah. I forgot about that. When I was station manager and Nicole Carrera was operations manager, we had reached a point where some of the trainees were splitting their three hour time, the three hour time slots, yeah. because it was like, where are we going to put these people? Yeah. We want them to join. We can't turn them away. I think there was discussions about even doing like a waiting list because there were so many DJs at one point that we had to sort of wait for people to graduate before we could bring people back in. Well, thankfully there were some behavioral issues and some people got, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. So I have to ask you before you took that next step to get further involved, how did your relationship between the two of you progress from there then? Oh, God. Uh, um, okay, let me think about how to make this quick and also listener appropriate. <laughs> I think that that I was, to use the, the hackneyed term, into Priscilla. The, the, the first time we met at that meeting that I had to meet with her one-on-one because I was a jackass and didn't come to the meeting. Um, meaning the, the, the full-on meeting that I just skipped for no good reason. You know, I think if I remember correctly, we ended up just kind of hanging out in the the lounge for a good while after we got all the business aspect side of it done for for setting up a new DJ. And you know, she was just a a cool and and confident person, and and I and I admired the fact that th- there was something about the the confidence and the and the true desire to want to be a a force for good within this radio station for the radio station that I really gravitated to uh and i found it attractive not a romantic sense but just in a, in a human connection sense and and i came to really respect the the human skills the, the interpersonal skills that she had and the the, the dedication that i saw in her to give 110 percent to the radio station and i came to the radio station at a time where i was just sort of figuring out what confidence meant to me as a person and and what understanding who I was trying to be as a person was, was going to look like. And something that I immediately clicked with, with WIXQ was just how everybody, even if they weren't sure who they were as a person, when they walked through the doors of the lounge or walked through the, the on-air studio doors, you knew who you were for a few hours because all, all the other stuff went away. The class you were failing went away. The toxic, abusive relationship you have with your, your parents or your, your friends or your roommates, that all went away. And, and it was just about, there's this place that's a, a safe space that where your friends are, where your music is, where the stuff you're passionate about and the stuff you can be creative with is, and you could block everything else out and just be who you wanted to be for a few hours or, or, or five hours or 10 hours or however long you were in the station. And I think that Priscilla and I were two people who felt the same way about that felt that same way, I should say, about 
the station at the same time at the same place and i think that our personalities you know obviously have clicked from a romantic side of things and and it was just sort of a perfect intersection between two people figuring out who they were and two people who just had a a genuinely good connection uh romantically and 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 interpersonally if that makes sense um when i had that first meeting with him i realized he was also in my civil war class at the time i was taking a civil war gen ed because I really like history, really like the Civil War. I was sort of the odd man out, not being a history major, but um, he was always polite to me. So I was like, all right, this guy's not a jerk. Um, but when he came to the, to the meeting, we just hit it off. We became friends, went for coffee. Things just kind of progressed. And we've been pretty, pretty much inseparable ever since. Yeah, I don't know. He he became a sounding board, a support person, and he's just always been a, a partner since then. And I think that we were both in a spot where we weren't looking for love or, you know, no one, we certainly weren't joining the radio station to meet people. Um, you should never join anything but a dating app if you want to meet someone. <laughs> but I think the radio station gives people the opportunity to find who they are which I did already say but once you find yourself things like that just click and I think we both had that experience with the radio station I I I think that that ironic for for me in terms of why I joined the radio station is is it was something that I was just doing for for fun to, to have something to pass the time but I also am a person who really gravitates to an organization or or a goal or a an entity or, or a thing that a lot of people from different places and backgrounds can look beside the fact that this person is different from me because there's uh, something that we all appreciate. There's something that they all gravitate to and, 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 and have respect for and, and have an appreciation for because it means something to them personally. And I think that in my experience with the radio station, generationally, you see it, you know, the, the core values of the radio station bleed into everybody who's a part of it. And that is so attractive to me because what happens is you have what we had when we were there, which is so many people who could be friends and, and could get along and, and really have a strong platonic love for one another and, and, and partnership with each other and kinship with each other because there was this background context of we are all DJs in this one place for this one thing that we love. And what you see after the fact is, is without the radio station, a lot of those relationships, unfortunately, fall apart um, for different reasons. And WIXQ was the glue for all the people that I hung out with in the latter years of my college uh, experience. And most all of the friends I still have come from the radio station. And I think that that is, above all else, if you said everything about, about personal expression aside, you know, professional development aside, and, and being a face for the organization, a core organization, all that stuff is, is valid and great. It's just about the community that the radio station engenders between the listeners and the generations of people that hear the, that call sign and see those four letters and know that that was home for a year, two years, three years, four years, six years. It is, it is what it is. Something that is very difficult to quantify in, in a definition to someone who hasn't experienced it. And it's all thanks to somebody on this end, on the other end of the line here, you know, the culture that you created, Doc. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's exactly what I was trying to create, a small family that cared about each other, 
that actually had a common goal, which was to do a radio show. But more than that, it was a way of uh, keeping them involved. So it was a student activity. And I tried to create that family environment. That was my goal. It was, if you ever saw the movie, uh, To Serve With Love, have you ever seen that movie with Sidney Poitier? That is what I was doing. You know, Doc, I'm glad you popped in there because I have to say for the past 40 minutes or so now, we've been talking to Chris and Priscilla about their early days coming to Millersville University before getting involved at the college radio station and the moments that led them to becoming a leader at the college radio station. Oh, and by the way, falling in love at the college radio station. And a couple months ago, I was talking to Chris at a highway pickup that you held for WIXQ. And Chris had told me before they were married to each other, they were married to the college radio station. And I think this is the perfect time to get into the fact about what made them so dedicated to WIXQ. But I know you, Doc, and I know... You don't like going on for too long. So I think it's time that we pump the brakes today and come back for a part two with Chris and Priscilla to talk about their dedication to the college radio station and find out some tips and tools for the people, what they can do to preserve and promote their college radio station, whether or not they're a student, an alumnus, or a listener. I think that's an excellent idea because I'd like to hear more. I want to hear more about the power couple. A power couple. Chris and Priscilla are certainly a power couple. And if you think about if you think about this, Doc, PC, power couple, Priscilla and Chris, part two. I think that'd be a good idea. Great idea. Let's go for it. All right. But in the meantime, you better stay up to date with Scholastic Transmission by following us all across social media at College Radio Pod. There you can find updates on the podcast. But in addition, Find updates on what college radio stations all across the globe are doing to preserve and promote college radio in their own right. And by the way, please share this podcast with your friends, your family, and anybody that loves college radio. So for Dr. Ralph, Doc Rock Antonin, and the power couple Priscilla and Chris Bevins, I'm Shane Garcia. Come back this Friday, February 18th, for part two with the power couple right here on Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast. Class is dismissed.